0: subject. So many people today are touched by uh, divorce in some way or other, either directly in their parents' marriage, or in their own marriage, or as children. Um, so it really is uh, a difficult subject. But we're supposed, Paul says, to teach the whole counsel of God, doesn't he? That's what it says in the Word. I've got some crackers coming up. I've got marriage and divorce today. I've got justice next week, where obviously you'll be having to think about cost of living crisis and the following week I've got tithing so um, do pray for me won't you please (laughs) some belters there you know in in the in the cost of living crisis I've got to preach on these topics so I'd value some wisdom from the spirit as you can imagine all right thank you just putting it out there but what do we do do we dodge these topics in scripture because they're tough? No, they're in the word because God has things to say. He has truth to speak into our contemporary culture, right? Hello? Yes. Good. There were two related issues in about marriage and divorce in Malachi's time. Men were divorcing wives from their community of faith in order to marry pagan wives from foreign nations so that's that needs to be said there's a context here Um, and there may well have been political motives for this Um, after judah returned from exile in babylon the nation was a small disadvantaged region of the persian empire surrounded by other foreign nations judah was small it was not powerful and influential it was part of the persian empire um, they felt oppressed. The temple, although it had been rebuilt, was not as powerful and as big as it once was. They're, they were suffering from crop failure, famine, uh, economic uh, oppression and everything else. They were disappointed, quite frankly, with the return from exile. And for whatever reason, the men of Judah were divorcing their their Judean wives people of faith and marrying wives of foreign nations who had no faith or who believed in idolatrous gods. So that's the context, so you can't just quote verses out of scripture and say well that applies to contemporary culture at all times you've got to understand what the historical context is. There's three things about marriage and divorce that this passage teaches us today. First, faithfulness to God means faithfulness in marriage, right? First thing. You want to be faithful to God, you need to be faithful in marriage. God calls himself Israel's father And he entered into a covenant relationship with israel listen to malachi chapter 2 verse 10 have we not all one father has not one god created us you see god called israel his child his son and he called them out of egypt to be his holy nation to represent his goodness his love his holiness to the other nations by keeping his commands, including the Ten Commandments. Here they are. Marilyn put this up this morning, knowing I was speaking about the Ten Commandments. So here they are. And God called the nation to keep the Ten Commandments, and they weren't, because one of the commandments, do not covet, including your neighbor's wife, was exactly what they were doing. They were divorcing their um, fellow, their countrymen, their their countrywomen, and marrying, divorcing them and marrying pagan women with foreign gods. So they were breaking a commandment. They were not keeping covenant with God. Um, And God says this through Malachi, Malachi 2 verses 10 and 11. Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our father? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has proclaimed, profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. So the sins of the men of, of, of Judah were sins against God, as well as against their wives. That's what God is saying. Because they're in a covenant relationship with God, that means they are to keep the Ten Commandments. When they break the commandments, they are breaking covenant with God, right? Do you understand? Malachi reminded the people of God's purpose in creating marriage. And the reason I had the ESV read was that the ESV Hebrew captures the sense of these verses much more accurately than the NIV. The best translation of of this in verse 15 is did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? In other words, when a man and a woman come together in marriage, the Holy Spirit cements and bonds them in a union. That's what it's saying. This is based on Genesis 2, chapter 24, when God created Eve to be Adam's companion, and the two became one flesh in accordance with God's design. Jesus quoted Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that marriage is between one man and one woman. That needs to be stated today. Many of you have had the difficult decision of: Do I attend a same-sex marriage from a member of my family? Some of you have have already attended and had to, you know, make those difficult decisions. I think, in more and more families, there are same-sex relationships, aren't there? It's just a reality. It's a pastoral reality that we're facing. Um, I've got a colleague whose uh, wife's brother's son. Um, it's just got married that um, it's a transgender marriage in France right and they, they, they had to decide do we support them do we you know what what messages are we so they, they went and they supported. Um, their relatives in this marriage, not that they support a transgender wedding, but they wanted to say we, we love you, but we don't agree with this Union all right. Now there's some difficult decisions that some of us have to make about these things, but the one decision that's made for us is that marriage is between a man and a woman according to scripture, all right? It's not negotiable The culture, I know, wants to negotiate and challenge this and already has. Anything goes in our culture, but when it comes to scripture and God's word, Jesus, says that marriage is between a man and a woman. That's how God created marriage to be. So if you want to argue with Jesus, go ahead. The son of God, I don't. Interestingly, the um, global Anglican communion met, you know, the Lambeth annual communion recently met and they reaffirmed resolution 1.1. This is what the Anglican communion states. Now, we're often guilty of, of, critiquing the Anglican church as Baptists. You know, we we say, oh, the Anglican, oh, dear, oh, dear. But listen to what the Lambeth Conference has just stated. In view of the teaching of scripture, we uphold faithfulness in marriage between a man and a woman in lifelong union and believe that abstinence is right for those who are not called to marriage. Right? That sounds pretty biblical to me. So before you start judging the Church of England, start reading what publications they're actually putting out there, please. If you know anything about the Baptist Union, they're moving, it seems to me, in a dangerous direction. But I'll talk to you further about that individually if you want to. This is hard to live out. I I know of colleagues who are same-sex attracted, but who will not enter into relationships because they believe in abstinence that they believe that a that marriage is the context for a sexual relationship so they've chosen to live in abstinence even though they are same-sex attracted that's really hard to do but they've got a churches that are praying for them and supporting them in that relationship that's really tough but this is what scripture teaches the world will teach something else the world teaches freedom you're free to choose to do whatever you want to do the bible teaches a different standard i'm reading a book by uh, a secular um, commentator who writes for the spectator douglas murray he also writes in various um, broadsheets the times and the telegraph he himself is gay and he's secular, and he is calling the church to not abandon its teaching on sexuality. Ironic, isn't it? Here we have a gay, secular man, prophetically warning the church, do not abandon the traditional teaching of Jesus. We don't want you looking like us. We don't want you just molding into the world, assimilating with culture. We need the church, he's saying, to be different to be a holy people, to be the people that they've been called to be, to set a standard, to keep a standard. And he's gay. (laughs) Ironic that God is raising up prophets outside of the church to be prophetic. So if we're afraid to speak, the stones will cry out. If we're afraid to say the hard thing, God will raise up people outside of the church to say them for us. All right? This is hard stuff, but it's in the scripture. Uh, Malachi 2.15 teaches that um, marriage is designed to be a means of godly offspring, children who would in turn worship and serve God who created them. Verse 14 states that your wife is your companion and your wife by covenant. Uh, Covenant is a beautiful word. It means to be bonded or cemented together. Those of you who are into DIY and gluing, Will appreciate this you want to use the best glue so that the surfaces will not come apart we've got a problem in our flat a, a number of problems that's why we had to go down this we've got leaking ceiling we've got um, laminate coming away from cabinets there's all sorts of issues but the builder that i saw said about getting uh, adhesive and he said here's the adhesive you want to buy because that isn't going to move and that's what marriage is it's a bond that's cemented together It's a lifelong union, a covenant relationship where we're bonded. And that's why God uh, says in verse 16 this. The man who does not love his wife but divorces her covers his garment with violence. That's what it says. Um, The NIV translates this verse more famously in this way. I hate divorce, says the Lord and I hate a man's covering himself with violence the Hebrew in this verse is notoriously difficult to interpret all right it's hard to judge whether the sentence is has God as a subject or the men who are profaning the covenant but reading the, the verse in context is all about the men who are being unfaithful in their marriage if you read the verses before and after the ESV translation is better The man who does not love his wife but divorces her covers his garment with violence. Effectively, the men are hating their wives and doing violence to them by sending them away in divorce to remarry public women. Sorry, to remarry pagan women, not public women. (laughs) So I prefer the ESV. If you can stick that up again, Carol. This is a more accurate translation. The man who does not love his wife but divorces her covers his garment with violence. In other words, he does violence to the marriage covenant relationship which God has established and to his wife. But what does the Bible teach about divorce more broadly? Well, the Old Testament didn't entirely prohibit divorce except in a very few specific circumstances. So can we stick this next point up, Carol? Thanks. The Old Testament recognized that in a fallen world divorce sometimes happens, but in Malachi's day men were divorcing their wives for no good reason and were condemning their wives to a dismal life as second class citizens with no rights and no inheritance, they were were therefore disadvantaged and poor by being divorced. In the beginning God designed marriage to be an exclusive relationship. The traditional words of the marriage uh, book of common prayer declare for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness or health, until death us do part. That's biblical. Um, Jesus added his own teaching on the issue of divorce in Matthew 19. Pharisees came up to Jesus and asked, "Um, when is it lawful to divorce your wife? There was a debate going on in the time of Jesus from the passage in Deuteronomy 24, verse 1, um, which spoke of a man finding some indecency in his wife and divorcing her. Some rabbis argued that this referred to adultery and sexual sin. Other rabbis argued that it could cover anything that the husband found disappointing about the wife, such as burning food. Now, please don't jump up and down too much about. The the language of men, this is a patriarchy, okay, in ancient Israel, it's a patriarchy, that's how it worked back then, this could equally apply to women divorcing men today, rather he goes, Jesus doesn't directly answer this question, he goes back to the heart of the issue, to the creation of marriage in Genesis 2.24. And he points out that since God makes two people, one through marriage, humans should not separate those whom God has joined together. That's the ideal, right? But then the Pharisees had a follow-up question. If divorce is so contrary to God's purpose of marriage, why did Moses command someone to give his wife a certificate of divorce and then send her away? Well, Jesus' response was to say, well, Moses didn't command divorce, but he allowed it for hardness of fallen human hearts. Jesus strongly emphasized the sacredness of marriage, while at the same time acknowledging that in a sin-stained world, divorce is sometimes a reality, a sad reality. And Jesus points out in Matthew 19 that adultery is one possible reason for divorce. But even adultery doesn't always have to end in divorce there can be healing even there restoration but sometimes the the damage that's been done is so uh, irrevocable that the destruction of trust is so complete that divorce is the only option and in this fallen world sadly there are many examples of what jesus calls hard hearts which court can calls divorce physical abuse For example can destroy a marriage if a husband repeatedly beats his wife or a wife repeatedly beats their husband then divorce could well be the only option to avoid further harm and abuse why would god want someone to stay with someone who continually repeatedly abuses them it's not it's not it's not the god of grace is it it's hardness of heart divorce is sometimes allowed controlling behavior in a marriage could be another reason coercive control where people you know find themselves having their um, money and time controlled by a spouse alcohol drug addiction may make it unsafe for someone to remain in marriage so the teaching on marriage in scripture is both simple at one level in that divorce was never god's purpose in creation for marriage It was for life. But there is an allowance from Jesus for divorce through the result of hard hearts, through sin. Marriage is intended to be forever and we should fight strenuously for it. But we all know, those of us who've been married, who are married, there are hard times even in a good marriage. But let me say something really important to us as a church. There are so many great examples of faithful marriage in this church right and I give thanks to God for them because I look at marriages in this church and I see God's faithfulness and I see the the faithfulness of that couple to God in their relationship and I give thanks to God because this is a this is a witness in a world of breakdown breakup hurt and pain isn't it When people stay married for for life and demonstrate faithfulness, they are speaking of the gospel to the world, aren't they? Um, Third, finally, God's faithfulness offers hope and grace to the broken and hurting. Many people today are hurting because of divorce. Um, Nicky Gumbel, the former vicar of Holy Trinity, Brompton, London, Um, they they run a course for those recovering from divorce. And I quote, he says this, Recently I visited a course that we run at our church for those recovering from divorce and separation. At the first session of the course, the guests have been asked to write down the feelings they associated with divorce and separation. Some of the responses included excruciating pain, grief, despair, hurt, anger, murder, sadness, rejection, guilt, anguish, shock, betrayal, anxiety, fear, isolation, loneliness, depression, and feeling brokenhearted. Divorce can be one of the most painful experiences in life and the church should bring hope to those who have experienced this pain. To those who are badly hurt by divorce, the church is a hospital. To those who acknowledge that they were, were responsible for such pain, the church is a community of forgiven sinners. Divorce is not an unforgivable sin. To those who are experiencing despair, the church is a community of hope. God loves us and he wants us to bring restoration and healing, unquote. Amen to that. God knows what it is to experience unfaithfulness from his own people. This is what Isaiah said through in Isaiah 54. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. God chose Israel to be his son, but also he described Israel as his wife. And as his wife, Israel were unfaithful again and again and again to the covenant. Even though God was faithful, his people were unfaithful. So God knows what it is to experience the hurt and the betrayal of unfaithfulness in a covenant relationship of marriage with his own people. And and Paul in Ephesians five uses the metaphor of marriage to describe the church as the bride of Christ and Jesus as the bridegroom. And the wonderful good news of this is that Jesus washes us clean, just as Jesus offered the Samaritan woman living water and allowed her to be washed clean of her sin. By accepting his love, his forgiveness, his living water, so Jesus offers to wash clean all of us who've been hurt and broken and suffered the pain of divorce and breakdown. That's good news, isn't it? Because here's the metaphor that Paul uses. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Isn't that wonderful? God washes us clean because Jesus died on the cross, paying the price, the penalty for all of our failure and unfaithfulness in marriage and in every other part of life. Jesus washes us clean and calls us his bride. And one day Jesus, the bridegroom is coming for his bride, the church, and we will be made new. We will be perfected in him. God does not treat us harshly, but he sends Jesus to love us and forgive us and wash us clean. That's the gospel, isn't it? Whatever you're struggling with, Whatever hurt and pain you're struggling with, Jesus is here with his living water to wash you clean and to give you new life and forgiveness and to fill you with hope again. Some of you are struggling um, or have struggled in the past with divorce and the pain of separation of that. Some of you, you know, have memories of husbands and wives who are no longer with us and are grieving. Some of you may have suffered um, abuse in a relationship. Jesus is here with living water to refresh you, to restore you, to heal you, to give you new life and hope. Some of you may be, you know, struggling with that conundrum. You know, you you have people in your family who are in same-sex relationships and it's, it's hard. We want to love our children and we will love our children, won't we? We don't approve of what they're doing, but we want to love them. We want to show them welcome, the forgiveness, the mercy of God. We want to support them. And we should. Because the God who opened his arms to us in Christ is the same God who opens his arms to everyone. Sinners like us. Let's pray. Jesus, this is a hard topic And we we come with our hurts and our pain and our struggles. Jesus, you offer us living water. You offer us hope and forgiveness and restoration. And Lord Jesus, I pray for all of us that we would come now to receive that living water. Holy Spirit, would you come again and refresh us? Would you give us grace and forgiveness? Would you welcome us home again? lord for those especially who have been hurt and feel pain from divorce i pray holy spirit for a special touch of your grace and mercy for them this morning bring healing and restoration but lord thank you that you are in the business of restoring marriages and i do pray lord for those who are going through marriage difficulties that you would help them to fight for their marriage Help them to reach out and accept help and support and prayer. And, Lord, bring hope and reconciliation and healing to all those going through difficulties. Lord, help us to keep loving members of our family. Help help us to keep showing them the welcome, the love, the grace of Christ, even when it's difficult for us to do that, even when we don't agree with all of their ethical behaviour. Help us to keep loving them in Jesus' name. Amen.